Hi, this is Karina Ganters, host of Behind the Pen. You're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. Hey folks, you're listening to the podcast Behind the Pen. Behind the Pen brings you fun and entertaining interviews by amazing creatives. And if you'd like to help keep the podcast going, you can donate as little as $5 on my Linktree page. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Karina Gantus or small letters. Don't forget to follow, like and review the podcast. Your support means everything. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Pen. I'm your host, Karina Gantus, award-winning author of 14 books, award-winning filmmaker, podcaster, YouTuber, booktuber. I run Author Assist, which helps authors with everything from their marketing to the promotion of their published book, brainstorming an idea, publishing the book, and everything in between. And I also have the Author Assist show on the Artist First Radio Network. Today, my very special guest is Freddie Cruz. Welcome to the show, Freddie. Thank you very much for having me. When do you it's sleep? You do all this when... stuff. <laughs> I don't sleep. I have actually, I have chronic insomnia, which is perfect because most of my clients are from the US. So when they're awake, I'm awake. Yeah, you're in Greece, right? I am. Yeah, seven yeah, hours so difference. Seven, and that's seven hours ahead, right? Yeah. Mm. I was doing writing sprints yesterday and it was like, half five in the morning and everyone's like oh. go to bed go to sleep and i was like i can't so i might as well write <laughs> yeah okay so how long are your writing sprints are you talking 20 30 40 minutes or whatever you have some available? of them are 20 some of them are 30 depending on who you're doing them with so mm. i do them throughout the week it's uh, my little break from the rest of the work that i have to do so freddie the first question i ask all my guests and i shall ask you as well is what do you use your pen for? What do I use my pen for? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I use my pen to create what I think are epic stories of likable and unlikable individuals. They can be unsavory people who do kind things or kind people who do unsavory things. Complicated humans. We're all complicated. So uh, that's a little bit of what I do. And it translates into my everyday life because my everyday life goes into everything that I create, whether it's a uh, work of fiction or if it's a, a podcast that I want to share with my community of followers, or if I just want to uh, tell a story about an encounter that I have with a gentleman walking a dog as I'm running. So I think stories are, all we have are stories. All we have is time. And so how we, how we spend our time dictates whether or not our stories are so boring that nobody <laughs> wants to get past page one, or if they want to get to page 500 and before they know it, it's uh, 
they haven't slept in more than 48 hours because they're glued to what you have to say. That's when you know you've done a good book. When yeah. when someone doesn't sleep or you're reading a book and you can't sleep because you have to keep reading it, that's a good book. That's that's what we want our readers to feel like, that they cannot put that book down. Myself, if I put a book down more than twice, I won't pick it up again. Hmm. Do you find yourself doing that more with fiction or nonfiction? Or if I don't it is read fiction... nonfiction. Oh, you don't? Okay, so Not what... what what genre do you find yourself doing that with most? Putting the book down. Yeah. Um, probably soppy, chick lit, romance. <laughs> I like the hard-edged, heavy stuff. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk more about that with you another time. <laughs> yeah. This is all about you. I want to know about Freddie. Who is Freddie? What were you like younger growing up i mean were you creative back then were you making up poems and jokes and were you doing arts i mean what, what was your talent when you were younger i was not very creative i was more of a more of a good soldier who just wanted to do what everybody told me to do um i think that somewhere in there there was a budding storyteller or budding rebel uh, underneath the shell um i will say though that I was obsessed with books at a young age, ever since Grover told me to not read the book, that you do not want to read this book, um, I was I was hooked um, on and just didn't know it. Shel Silverstein, Shel Silverstein, and where the sidewalk ends, and there was the poem about being sick, and um, Ramona Quimby, age eight, in the Donzer song, when talking about the the national anthem for the United States. I mean, these are so all you never things. you weren't reading the classics then. <laughs> no, wasn't reading the classics. <laughs> no, uh, but you know, going into and going into middle school and in high school, a lot of our required reading, and, and as a as a grown up, it it, it infuriates me that uh, my required reading just it sucked. Oh my gosh, it sucked. I mean, we're talking grapes of wrath and and uh huckleberry finn and no hey look no respect to these people who are well who are just admired by the entire writing world said and no no respect you mean no disrespect no disrespect <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> no respect <laughs> whoops yeah uh, but i mean no it's no disrespect in shakespeare boring um oh my gosh say, yeah and that's not to say that's not to say that these people don't deserve the respect that they that they have um, because they do they 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 blaze the trail for storytellers um, like you and me um, and so they they command that um, that admiration I would say I'm just saying that I wish my my required reading was a little more George Orwell 1984 uh, I can see them Farm. letting kids do that at school yeah <laughs> yeah but hey Wow. So um, back then when you were younger, where did you get your books from? From school? Where, did you have the library? Were you sitting in the library reading? Did you buy books? Where did you get your reading material from? It was a little bit of both. I was lucky enough that my mom would give, give me and my sister an allowance to go to the bookstore. And we had the Scholastic, the little paper thin little catalog which was even better than the sears toy catalog uh 
it was like, oh my gosh, I get to go. And then they line us up like good little boys and girls. And we'd wait outside the, the room where they had the book fair. And it was like going through Toys R Us, but it was a place where you go and spend your money on books and, and seeing all the, the, the books of all shapes and sizes and colors and all grade levels. And yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was a lot of fun. You don't get that now. I mean, the only real change in book size and shape and colors is children's books. I mean, Mm -hmm. you see any novel now, they're all one regimented size, basically. That is such a shame because, yeah, I remember when you used to get the albums and the graphic novels and uh, books in large print and paperback and then the hardback. and and, But, uh, yeah, now it's all regimented. So... Your reading material nowadays, are you still not touching the classics? Well, it sounds like you're not. Yeah, definitely not. Say that again. Um, (laughs) What are you reading nowadays, Freddie? (laughs) Yeah, well, I would say that as far as classics, I would say I've read I've read one Kurt Vonnegut book, um, Slaughterhouse Five. Mm. It was good. Um, I like I love his book about writing pity the reader which is a uh, it's dense and it's it's quite big uh, i love reading craft books about writing and storytelling uh so Vonnegut's have you read dean Koontz's? have not that's really good it's even better than stephen okay. king oh okay yeah because i like the stephen king one and full disclosure uh on on writing by stephen king is the only stephen king book that i've ever read I don't blame you. <laughs> I love his films, don't get me yeah. wrong, but I cannot and, open one of his books apart from that one. And it's no disrespect to the master of horror no. and mystery. No, no, it's, no. I just, yeah. His writing is just so, it's just too flowery for me. It's too descriptive. I have to flick through pages to get to some conflict or something happening in the actual story because it's just so flowery. And I don't like books like that. I like to be glued, like you say, glued. How can you be glued to a book when you're reading a description about something that takes two pages? You know, it's yes. you just you lose the flow. You lose the flow of the story. I want it to flow. I want it to be smooth. I want this to be conflict after conflict, and then conclusion, conclusion, and you know, it's it's all got to glue together. It's all got to flow, but. Anything that will stop me from from reading a book is flowery writing. And unfortunately, Stephen King is very much like that for me. Uh, No, absolutely. And I've found that people who I'm friends with that don't write enjoy that. Now, that's not to say that's the majority of people. It's just my my own little circle. And it's fascinating to me because you and I, I, we're on the same wavelength. I think that there's a way to, if you have to use that, what do they call it? Purple prose. If you're going to use purple prose, it's like uh, salt and pepper and oil and vinegar and a splash of garlic. You don't want to douse your salad with nothing but salad dressing because then it tastes horrible, right? So I love that. In a place. Yeah, no, I was going to say um, you put too much, too much salad dressing on a salad and it no longer tastes like a salad. It tastes only like the salad like dressing. dressing and wilted yeah like yeah um Love but it. yeah um so yeah the other person that i absolutely love the books i love the movies 
But again, I've had to skip many, many pages because he's like a professor and he mm. teaches the reader physics and history. And mm. of course, we want to get to the thriller, which it's supposed to be, and not get all of the the dates and the times and what have you. And that is, do you know who I'm talking about? Hmm. No. Dan Brown. Ah, okay. See, I haven't read a Dan Brown book. Never. No, no. Ooh. Yeah. See, I, I feel like uh, maybe I need to start delving into some of these guys. Um, you know, the the I host a podcast in which about seventy five percent of my guests have books, so I'm reading books by these people. Um, oh, that's I will nice you of that, you. Yeah. Yeah, some of some of my favorite authors, though, when I'm doing my recreational reading, include Chuck Palahniuk, who's my favorite author of all time, the mastermind behind Fight Club, and uh, there's Ayn Rand, who I absolutely adore. I love George Orwell. Uh, I love Brad Thor thrillers. Jack Carr is someone who recently came on the scene. He's got the Amazon original that's based on his um, on his James Reese novels called Terminalist is that there's a lot of detail but there's a lot of action and how and i'm thinking that he pulls this off that he pulls this off because his stories are masterfully outlined and we've talked before so he's a he's not a pantser he's an outliner and so i'm if i had to guess there's that perfect blend of the salad to salad dressing ratio because it's all planned out Oh, I disagree. Uh, no. <laughs> I am I I am a pantser through and through. Yeah. I don't plot. All the plotting is there in my head. I just write. Um, and my books are just um, engaging page turners. You will get glued to the page because I start with a conflict and it just all the way through. It's just one thing after another after another. I put my characters through hell and back. Seriously. And the readers just suck it up. They love it. Yeah. They love it. Really, really. It, it amazes me how much uh, sex and violence they love reading about. But um... <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it really is. That's one of the top genres at the moment. Is it like mafia and bully romance and mafia romance? And um, I'm sorry, dark, did you say dark bully romance? romance? Called bully romance. There is a genre called bully romance. And it's where he's a bully and he could be a billionaire. He could be part mafia. He could be from a motorcycle club, but he's the bully and they end up falling in love. Wow. Learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah. You see, I know it all yeah. me. I know what's going on. I, I got it right on the, I'm right on the point. I just started this uh, new genre myself called dark romance. And I'm just so surprised how popular it is with the ladies. They, like I said, they want to read about sex and violence. They want to read about a character that goes through traumatic events um, about a strong woman who can pull through and get through it all. And the thing about writing something like that is that you, the writer puts themselves through those experiences to make sure it comes out like they know what they're talking about. They experience exactly what the character's experiencing. And if it's done correctly, then when you open that book, mm -hmm. 
as a reader, you're jumping then into the character's shoes as well, and you're experiencing that. And you think that would trigger, I mean, you, it can trigger people. I hate that word. Uh, oh, I hate that word, trigger. Um, so it can trigger some people, but other people absolutely lap it up. And it's getting such a popular genre now, dark romance. It's uh, getting as high as the fantasy genre with uh, sales and stuff. Yeah, and I was going to guess that the people who give these kinds of books one stars and two stars, it's because they're reading it and they end up realizing, well, that's not what it's I not wanted. For me anyway. It's not for yeah, me. It's not, yeah, I thought so it, don't yeah. rate it. Do not rate it. Do not yeah. leave a rating. Do not leave a star review. That's not fair. You know, as an author, that's not fair. Yeah. You know, no, abso it's... no, absolutely. Now, it's one thing if you are making a if if someone if someone wrote a book and they just put it out without going through uh, copywriting and proofreading phase. Yeah. One thing, but to poo poo on somebody's work because you happen to disagree with it is some is a completely different story. I think there's a, a I think there's a line that you just don't cross, and unfortunately, readers will we'll never understand that because it's just like when you go to a movie and you don't understand why the director and the producers and the actors and actresses uh, created the movie that they did. You don't understand the craft that went behind it. You just hate that. Oh, well, this character did this one thing and I hate that one thing as in real life. You're back. Okay, okay. So Freddie, how many books part. have you okay. got published at the moment? How many books I think you said? Yeah. I've got two that are currently published. I've got a short story published on Horror Tree, and then I've got the third one. I don't know when the, this episode is going to be published, but it's going to be out November the 8th. Horror Tree? So What's this? Is since it a, 2019. An anthology or a... Um... Uh, horror Tree is a horror website. i got to go over there. They do flash fiction and stuff. Yes. Ah, it's my place. I gotta go check that place out. That's that's my that's for me. Excellent. Um, so you've got yeah. one book coming out soon, which is what genre would you put that as? I would put that as a mystery and it borders on horror. I mean, there there are a couple of deaths in the book. And there's some violence and there's um, also some, um, let's just say, um, shenanigans of the sexual nature um, involving okay. somebody and somebody else's wife. Nice, nice. <laughs> so, but why would you say it's yeah. horror just because it had two deaths and what makes it horror? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I would say, I don't know. I mean, I guess it could, well, because I guess the, the people who the people who die die in a very, very violent scene in a pretty violent way so you describe just, it really yes is that you know you describe it it's really graphic description i i would say yeah i mean eh, i mean i don't want to say the characters went michael myers on on each other i mean i'd just say that yeah it, it, it these were not just i don't want to say just um these were not simple they got bludgeoned with something and that was it 
Okay. This was part of a larger scene in which there's some really bad stuff happening. Okay. All right. I got to There's nothing. I don't think I don't think there's anything left to the imagination in the final in the final in the second half of the book. Okay, cool. So so mystery stroke horror and and the one that's published now same genre. This one will be dark humor slash satire, and oh, it's a right. little more light. Yeah, it's a little more lighthearted. I don't want to say too too lighthearted because with you dark satire can't be lighthearted. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's some dark humor there, and the guy who who ends up getting screwed over, he uh, is plotting revenge on his ex lover and her uh, her guy, and um, you know he he puts everybody through the ringer and we'll see i don't know i, I think it's up to Sounds the reader whether or not thrilling. yeah he he um it's up to the reader to this whether he learns his lesson i don't think i don't think he's learned his lesson i don't think humans overall really learn their lesson i keep making the same mistakes over and over again <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's but that's part of the human existence, right? We're not just life. we're not just one thing. We're not none of us were born angels. Very 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 few of us were born evil. Um, so yeah, I mean for for the rest of the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of us, we're not we're not these perfect little saints that are just floating around. I mean we make mistakes. I, I believe that we've got a bit of uh, nasty in us when we're born. I think we've got the good and the bad. And depending on the, uh, I want to say the DNA, I'd say more more of the growing up, how your parents are with you, how your life is, decides on which route you're going to take. It That's just my own warped uh, uh, imagination and opinion i think um like the serial killers and um those kind of um that had bad childhoods most of them had bad bad childhoods um and and bad adulthood and went through abuse and a lot of trauma um that turned them into who they were and why they did what they did and um i think that I'd like to think that if they didn't have that and they had nice parents and they grew up in a nice neighborhood and they went to a nice school and they had friends and they were doing well that they wouldn't have turned evil I like to think that but that I mean it sounds very similar to, to what you write more about the human condition and um, the the uh, the psyche of somebody and why they do what they do and like you say whether or not they uh, get away with it and whether they learn their lesson or not yeah absolutely and and you know people can do bad things and justify them for any number of reasons i mean you can go back through the entire catalog of human history and and look at individuals and societies and nations and tribes and a lot of the horrible, horrible things that people have done to one another on behalf of some belief or system or 
government or what religion or what have you it was all in the name of of yeah. doing good uh, the, the the bad guys always think they're the good guys and that's the problem with bad guys <laughs> yeah you know you know you're, you're so right with that um the one that's now everyone's talking about the um dharma story um yeah it's uh horrific i mean i haven't watched it yet on netflix but i know of it because i spoke to i was um doing a radio show with one of the actresses who played uh, his uh, grandma in the uh, Netflix uh, uh, show. And um, I said to her, what was it like, you know, taking that role? Because his grandma was the only one that if, if he ever loved anyone, it was her. And they had such a tight relationship. I said, what did it, what did it feel like playing that role, knowing that you were taking, you know, that that person who was closest to this evil evil monster evil monster um and she said you know she was thrilled that she took it she was she loved doing it um she won't watch it she won't watch it on tv even though she acted in it she won't watch it seems strange but mm. there you go but yeah i mean someone like someone like him i mean he he thinks that by whew, how can i say this without going too deep he thinks that by keeping killing them and keeping them close to them that they're going to be a part of him inside of him to stay with him forever and he never loses that love and that friendship that he got and that's why he did what he did, because he thought that he'd keep them closer to him if he did that without going into too much detail. For those that haven't watched it, I'm not giving any spoilers, but I'm sure you've heard all about it because it's been all over the newspapers and everything. But again, it's, it's someone's psyche. They think they're doing good. He thought he was doing something good for himself. He never saw anything wrong with what he was doing. I mean, God, the psychological... What, what, what if you could get into his brain? I mean, that would be crazy. His thoughts and trying yeah. to to make a, an excuse for what he does. Crazy, the crazy. mental gymnastics that some yeah, the mental gymnastics that somebody has to go through to be able to justify doing something like that on an on an individual scale and on a mass scale, it's um it's deplorable and i just um and yet storytellers keep telling these stories whether it's through fiction or nonfiction. in this case is this is something that actually happened um and we we collectively speaking continue to, to tell and share these stories because people want, want to read to them read they them want they want to, to know about them yeah. they want to learn about them I remember when uh, I think it was Patricia Cromwell, I think she wrote her first book and she was the first one to go into the CSI of behind the scenes. You know, you had the program, but no one had actually written a book about that kind of uh, crime um, going into um, behind the scenes and what uh, these uh, CSI, uh, uh, what would you call them, CSI? inspectors or whatever actually did when it came to a crime um 
and so her books just went to number one because no one's ever written anything like that. And it was just one after another and everyone was just glued to these books because it was just something new. So tell me, Freddie, what is so unique about your book that someone needs to read it? What What is the reader going to get back from reading your book? Well, I would say for the upcoming novel, it is a it is centered around the holiday season in Houston, Texas. So for anybody who maybe is not familiar with life in Houston and surrounding suburbs and might be genuinely curious, uh, there's that. But then there's also this um, the concept that I came up with was, well, <laughs> And I guess this may have been a little projection on my part. Uh, and I say may have it. I would say it probably, I would say it definitely was my, my, my wife loves watching Christmas movies on a certain network. And so maybe it was just a, a way of me saying, how, oh, well, you know what, maybe I'm going to turn this, these concepts and flip the narrative and make it something that, well, you know what, you're not going to have a Merry Christmas. I'm going to, in fact, the name of the book is allow me to ruin your Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, if, so for anybody who likes mystery, who might like a little bit of, um, you know, my, my, I don't want to say he's the protagonist. He is, he's the villain. Um, and again, thinking that he's doing something good. Um, he, uh, He's, he's pretty funny. And I think that anybody who, who might want to delve into that, into that darker side of, well, you know what, what's it like for someone who doesn't have a loving, nurturing family and who is jealous of somebody who does, but then that somebody they come to find out is actually responsible for the was actually the reason why they haven't had a good fun family right. wow yeah so wow. that's what that is well i've just finished reading a book it's so weird you should say i just finished reading a book on kindle and um it was basically um a girl who was just so had no money her her rent was due she she was so low as you can get basically and then she got this check through for a hundred thousand or something and she didn't know who it's from but she knew that she needed to do it she needed to pay her bills so she cashed it a month later she got another check and it carried on for 10 checks and then there was a knock on the door and it was i've come to collect you oh. what do you mean collect me well we own you. You took the money. Can you pay it back? You either pay it back or we own you. My 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 hmm. master is waiting for you sort of thing. So she then has to go and uh, pay back. Well, she can't pay back the debt. So she knows that she's wherever she is, she's just got to go there. She has got any choice in the matter. Well, he's a multi-billionaire. I mean, you're not going to complain with jacuzzis, swimming pools, um, crystal diamonds and uh, gucci dresses so but he doesn't show who he is he doesn't want her to know who he is and in the end when they've fallen in love with one another 
then he tells her the truth that he was the one who accidentally shot her father and caused her to then have the life that she had. Mm-hmm. And it's, it sounds very similar to the sort of thing you're doing, you know, um, not, not jealousy on that part, but um, when, when you learn that they're the reason that you've got that life, of course you're going to do something about it. Yeah, it's it's um it's setting setting the universe back on its proper course. And so that's what I wanted to get at with the plot of the story and so he discovers the truth about his favorite podcaster and how his favorite podcaster a long long time ago when he was just a wee little boy he finds out that oh wait this is the reason why i don't have a dad and this is the reason why my mom has been alone these years and and so yeah things take a a, things take a a very strange turn from the very get-go um there there's some (laughs) one of my beta readers what what thoroughly enjoyed uh reading the first chapter because it it gives you a glimpse into into Beckett who's the the main guy the kid the college kid gives him a gives you a glimpse into his psyche now it's told from the first person alternating chapters so you get first chapter Beckett the second one is Lex and and so on and so forth so yeah it was um it was something to put together i had a lot of fun Mm, so, I can imagine, yeah. So how long yeah. did it take you to write it, Freddie? This one took a little over a year. Um, I would say 13, 14 months. This is if I had to if I had to guess this is probably the quickest turnaround. And I will say that this is also I had it I don't want to say I had it completely plotted. So my first book was completely flying by the seat of my pants. The second book I had an idea of what I wanted to write. And so I planted it. Um, so a little <laughs> bit of both. And then this one I had outlined, but I didn't outline. Some people outline dozens of pages uh, and they write character catalogs of, you know, this is, I just wrote, this is Lex. This is what he looks like. This is who he is. This is Beckett. This is Ellis. This is, you know, Sometimes these are the Sometimes you have to. You have to have yeah. some kind of record to keep you on the right. track, you know. It makes yeah. it easier from a developmental standpoint, too, because if Karina on page 25 has red hair, but then on page 100, the some character makes reference to her being a brunette, then wait a minute, there's no continuity. So for continuity's sake, if you're trying to crank out a novel or maybe two every uh, every year, you have to have some degree of planning. But mm-hmm. yeah, so all of that to say, I outlined a little bit and I think that's why I got through it a little bit quicker uh, than with the first two. And so I didn't, I cleaned up the plot holes quicker as well. And so I didn't work with a developmental person, but I had a copy editor and a proofreader. So well, that's great. I, st- yeah, I, stand, I stand by it. I mean, I'm not going to put something out, you no. know, I had a 100%. really... Yeah, I had a really good beta reader and I'm like, look, man, if you if there's a plot hole, you have to you have to let me know, like, don't just blow smoke. 
I mm-hmm. need the, you know, I've got a, another friend of mine who coaches voiced talent and he talks about hot feedback and cold feedback, cold feedback being the constructive, the constructive criticism. And after having a developmental editor tell me that I lost her as a reader and then have, having a book, my first one murdered by the Houston press, I can take cold feedback. <laughs> So it's no big deal. I'm a 47 year old dude. I'm a grown up. I can handle uh, it. My, I've got thick skin now. So this is this um, is me uh, in the community online that people know me as being direct, straight. You ask me my opinion, I will give it to you, whether you want to hear it or not. Yeah, that is what you'll get. And and I think that's what a lot of people don't want to hear it, but a lot of people want to hear the truth. It's the only way you're gonna learn isn't it it's the only way you're going to get better absolutely and as indie authors we it is it is imperative that if we spend the money for a developmental editor we're not spending the money for them to tell us how amazing our work is you hired that developmental editor to help you with character development to help you with getting rid of chapters to, to tell you that you better yeah, you need to move chapter five to chapter one. You need to do this with this chapter. You need to nix this character. Maybe you can combine these two characters. Wait, why do you have, why is Karina's name spelled three different ways throughout the book? They need to hold you to account. <laughs> but they, you know, but, but they need to hold, they need to hold us to account. And that's why we're paying them. We have to let them do their jobs. And so I think that's a, it's a really tough pill to swallow. It certainly is. So um, what's next for you? I mean, you've got your book coming out, but are you writing anything at the moment? I am currently not writing anything at the moment. Uh, 2022 was a bit of a transformative year. I actually finished writing and editing this book, so I'm taking a break. I might start writing uh, something in December. I haven't quite figured that out yet. No NaNoWriMo then. Yeah, most likely no NaNoWriMo. I never really took part in that. Um, you haven't, no? <laughs> no, yeah. Most of my writing is has been in, in the spring and the summer. But um, no, I, we'll see what, what happens. I think um, I'm at a point where I need to grow my, my business. Anything, I'm at a startup. So. Do you know any anything just going around in your head that just won't drop? You know, when you've got that idea and it just won't let go, it's got you. And you know you're going to have to do something with it. Anything brewing? You know, I've got, I've got an idea for a story, and I got past. I didn't get past page, page three of a manuscript. I do a lot of running, and my one of my daughters runs cross country, and so I figured, you know, what if I what if I wrote a horror story centered around. A, a dad and his daughter and a pair of shoes and the shoes are somehow cursed and that's about as far as i've gotten i got i got through page okay yeah i got through the first couple work. maybe three pages i tore it up yeah it could um, work twilight yeah. zone type if you yeah. turned it into you know a yeah. bit of a out out of the box kind of um creepy, twisty, bendy, and distorted story, it might work. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's just, that's one of the ideas. I'm also thinking about a spinoff uh, for the five-year anniversary of my first novel, which I want to I want to redo as an indie author. Um, 
we don't grow unless we learn from our previous mistakes. And so the, the big, the big mistake, there, there were quite a few uh, for the first two. The first uh, book it... is always rewritten, <laughs> maybe 10 years later, but it's yeah. always rewritten, always. Yeah. Because we do, we grow as writers, we grow as storytellers, uh, we grow in writing style and, and mm -hmm. how, we, how we express ourselves on the page. And so when we look back on something, I mean, I'm so proud of it, and I have rewritten it, but I'm so proud of it that, you know, I've got 100% confidence in it, and yet I look at it and I see how I write now and I see how I write then, and it's like a different person. Yeah, and I love that my friend did the cover art, and I like it. And I thought it perfectly encapsulated the scene that I told them to draw inspiration from. I also know that now that when you have a, a book cover, it has to represent one of the characters of the story. And so that's one of the things. And I think the writing itself, I feel, is strong. And I'm proud of the story. And there are, of course, things that I could do better. I think the the beginning chapter and, uh, you know, I, I joke about my book getting murdered by one of the local publications. There, there is there was some truth to some of what this individual wrote that was sprinkled inside the vitriol. Uh, that was really nothing more than a uh, personal attack that it boils down to stay in your lane. But I will say there was some some constructive one item of constructive criticism one item yeah one sure. item and so that is you know a character not appearing a main character not appearing until after page 20 and i'm like yeah you definitely are right about that and i hate you for it but uh, so i, I, I hate you anyway idea. yeah <laughs> yeah i've got an idea about how i want to you know present a remix of of my first book and so i'm ready to knock it out of the park and uh there's That's some other cool. things yeah, there's some other things that I have, uh, some other ideas festering, or, you know, and as an entrepreneur, a business owner, um, getting it, getting it, getting my business off the ground in its infancy is priority one. So the storytelling and the, and all of that is going to take a back seat for maybe the it's next few hobby. months. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a process and I've got, Hey, I've got this book. It's the third book since 2019. So, um, wow. you know, I, it's not like I'm completely slacking. Some people don't get, some people take 10 years to, to finish their book. So. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's no another story. <laughs> yeah, no, that's another story. Um, so uh, Freddie, where can people find you on social media and where can they find your books? Yeah. So you can go to Twitter and Instagram, easy to find at the Freddie Cruz for both. And you can go to freddycruz.link slash books. And then you can just do a Google search for my podcast, Freddie, Freddie's Huge Ask, A-S-K, <laughs> Huge Ask Podcast. It's an interview format. I love it. <laughs> Freddie, you've been awesome. It's been a delight having you on the show. Thank you so much for being a guest on Behind the Pen. I wish you all the best with Thank your you. projects.